and there was things that I still hadn't talked to him about yet. And I was really frustrated. I was like, Lord, he was the wisest person I knew. And like, why did you take him from me at 29 years old when my son was only seven months old? And why, why did you take him from me? And it's like the Lord impacted me in that moment. He was like, I, I'm the one that created your dad. I created him in my image. I gave him that wisdom so you can in turn come to me and get the same questions answered that you would ask your dad because I'm the one that gave him that wisdom. And it was really kind of seeing in that moment that the Lord does bring his wisdom. The word talks to draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And so I had to really realize, yes, my dad was that awesome person for me on this earth, but it was the Lord that created him he met him together and so i can go to the lord with questions and he'll he'll be my counselor that's what it says in isaiah that he's a he's wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and so it was in that moment that the lord really came to me and said yes you've had your dad but you have me for eternity Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. I have my new friend and sister in Christ on the podcast with me, Rachel Bridges. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for being on. We appreciate it. How was how's your day going? How was how was your holiday? I should I guess I should let everyone know we are filming this after Christmas. So don't know when you may hear this, but right now is December where we are. <laughs> yes, it is great. Our Christmas was wonderful. We stayed here where we live in town. My husband is a pastor, so with Christmas being on Sunday this year, we stayed home. I have family that lives here. And so we were able to get together with my mom and my sister came in. I hadn't seen her in all two years. It was two years. So it was really good to see my sister. So we spent it with my side of the family. My husband is is from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So it was a little too far to go down there this year, but we had a great Christmas here with my family. There you go. That's nice. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Thank you. The weather in Ohio right now is insane. It's doing what it always does. It was it was like negative nine degrees here a couple of days ago, and it's fifty five degrees outside right now. So I went to sleep. It was winter. I woke up. It was spring. I don't know what's going on here. But so I can relate to that. I am in Texas. I'm outside of Amarillo, Texas, about an hour outside of Amarillo, Texas, and people think Texas is warm, and the majority of the state is warm. However, we're in the panhandle where we get snow, we get inches of snow, actually. We could get ice tomorrow. You never know what the weather is going to be here either. So last week, the feel-like temperature on Thursday was negative 27. And yes, the feel-like wind temperature. So the wind out here is what gets us. It, it just blows out here and it brings the cold air down from Colorado. So we are actually, I can relate to those cold temperatures. So we had them too. And then like you said yesterday here, it was in the 60s, but the wind was still blowing. So, but anyways, yes, our weather is crazy too. So I keep random outfits in my, in my gym bag for when I leave the gym, just in case, just yes. in case. Yes. You just never know. And 
like you just said, the hours as they go by in the day could be warm in the morning and then snowing in the afternoon. I've seen that here too. So you just never know. You probably just always got to be prepared. So I don't know who said this about Cleveland, but they said, if you don't like the weather here, just give it a couple hours. It'll change. Yes, I've seen that. <laughs> Unreal. Yes, yes, yes. That's how I feel about the Texas panhandle too. So. <laughs> Anyways, I didn't know it got that cold in the panhandle. I just learned something right now. That's yeah, crazy. It can. It's those winds. It's the wind. It's the wind blows out here. And we don't have very many trees to block it. And so anyways, it just blows and blows. And that cold air comes down from Colorado and it can get very cold here. So Thursday and Friday of last week, I did not leave my house. So I get it. I get <laughs> but, it. Yes. Well, thank you again for, for being on here today. I'm going to dive right into this because I want you to just to share some of your life story, your testimony with, with our audience. So let's go ahead and kick it off. So where are you from? Where'd you grow up? So I was born in East Texas in the Sulphur Springs area. My dad was a pastor and he was pastoring out there. That's where I was born. We moved to the Panhandle shortly after I was five years old, I think when we moved out to the Panhandle and when we moved here to where we're currently living, I was seven. So I have been here in the Eastern Texas Panhandle the, since I was seven, except for going to college. I did go away to college and then came back here because I met my husband. He was hired on as the worship pastor at the church where my dad was pastoring. He, at that time, he had moved here to be an associate pastor. So he was an associate pastor, and then my husband was the worship pastor. And so, of course, you know, my mom and all the other ladies of the church, oh my gosh, we hired a single worship pastor, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want that right now. I was working for a university, Wayland Baptist University at the time, and I was a recruiter and I was traveling a lot. Long stories for it, we ended up meeting and getting married. We got married in 2015. And I'll backtrack a little bit. I became a believer when I was 13 years old. And so before that, my dad, like I said, had been a pastor. Around the age of seven, a lot of my friends were making decisions to follow Christ or getting baptized. And I just saw what they were doing and kind of wanted to follow along too. And I did not really understand what I was doing at the time, making that decision. It wasn't a true decision to follow Christ. At the age of 13, we had a guest speaker come to our church. And of course, my whole life, my dad poured into my sister and I, he discipled us. He pointed us to Jesus. And so all of that, what he did led up to when this guest speaker came, I really began to realize what sin truly was in that it was still separating me from Christ. And I was not a true believer at that moment. And that I had not fully accepted him to be Lord of my life. And so, but I was embarrassed because I had gone through the motions essentially right. before. And so I waited till the very last night that speaker had come and he spoke, I think it was three or four nights they spoke. It was a team. 
And I waited till the very last night to tell my parents because they thought that I was already a Christian and believer. And I would say, don't do that. Go ahead. That first night when you feel the Lord knocking on your heart, don't be ashamed because they, they welcomed me into the body of Christ. My parents did without any question. They truly could see that I had made the decision then and knew what I was doing. And so I I became a believer at age 13 and at age 18 is when I really began to fall in love with studying the word. I was working at a summer camp that year and I just decided to read through the letters of Paul, Paul's letters. And I remember thinking how sad I was when all of his letters were done in the New Testament because I just loved reading what Paul had to say to the church and I love the local church. And, and so anyways, just gleaning from the letters of Paul. And so that's the moment in my life where I really fell in love with studying the word. And so I went to college after that. And then, like I said, before I met my husband in 2014 and we married in 2015, this is the really cool part of my story is my husband and father got to serve on staff together for, let's see, for four years, four years. And then my dad passed away unexpectedly in 2019. And so, so that was a really special part of my story. I had kind of questioned why God brought me back here. Of course, I'm so excited that I got to meet my husband here, but why he kept us here for that long. And now I realize it was so we could have those years with my father. We never know exactly what the Lord is doing, but he has a perfect plan for our life. And I'm so glad he allowed us to be on staff with my dad for those four years. So that's really special. So, and we're still at the church where I grew up in. My husband's still a worship pastor there. I'm highly involved with the women's ministry there. And I'm on a teaching rotation with our women's Bible study group. And I help out in the youth department as well. And I just, we love our church. We really do love our local church. And so that is a little, that's my testimony. Wow, you wear a lot of hats to the church. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I love, like I said, I love our local church. And women's ministry has really been close to my heart for a long time. And the youth ministry just happened to come about here recently. And they needed more help back there in the youth ministry. And so to be able to pour into the teenage girls is really special too. And so I am excited to and looking forward to doing that more as well. So, I, I can't talk about wearing a lot of hats to the church. I oversee our outreach team, our welcome team, and I'm head of security. And that's just what's on the yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> when you're in church ministry, it's you get to you get to do a lot, and we get to serve. And I'm so thankful that God has opened that door for me and for my family to get to do that. And of course, I watched my father do it for 29 years that I was that he was in my life, and so I'm glad that I get to continue kind of carrying on what he taught me through ministering in the local church. So, I was I was grateful when I when I got saved because I had some strong men of God showing me like the physical church. This is 
treat it like okay. it's your house. It doesn't yeah. matter what area of ministry you're in. If you see that the trash needs to be taken out or the dishes need to be washed, yes. you need to do yes. that. And I was grateful yes. for that example because I started doing that because I was taught that. And then now that I can teach someone else to do that, they've seen me do it as well. So it's one of those, yes. I'm getting my hands dirty with you. I'm in the trenches with you this isn't i don't do the figurehead leadership kind of thing i'm I'm completely yeah. against that i don't i don't think that's the way one it's not the way jesus led i don't have to guess we know that yeah. <laughs> so yeah yes that is it's so good to show new believers ministry can be taking out the trash it is also working with in the nursery where not everybody wants to be that those areas are also ministry and the babies to the senior adults i mean people and so there is a spot for anyone that God is calling or anyone that is willing to step in and serve. So I, one of the things that I love, as you just said, I love going down the kids wing in my church. Yeah. Now the volunteers don't love when I go down the kids wing of <laughs> church. They have physically removed me more than once because I get, I get the kids riled up. I get them riled up. You can't tell me from them when I get, when I get down there. So <laughs> yes. But I'm with you, and I, I I appreciate your passion for for the Bible. You know you have a passion for the Word because you are the first person I've ever heard say when Paul's letters ended, I was sad. <laughs> you people don't say things unless they mean it, so I appreciate the the genuine nature of that. I appreciate that. I was so sad that I was like, I'm just gonna say he wrote Hebrews, and I'm like, no, we can just keep going. No. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. I'll carry that with you. I'll carry that with. You. I'm going to get an email about this. So this is who wrote him. I'm waiting on that. I'll wait. No. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so we just talked a little bit about just kind of like the examples that other people have, have set for us in, in ministry. So what role did your father play in your life? And then how did that affect your relationship with God? So my father, I was... I was lucky to have somebody in my life, and I know not everybody has an earthly father that points them to Jesus, and that might be hard for some people that are listening, but I'm not trying to brag in any way, but my father pointed my sister and I to the Lord just by his actions, by his wisdom. He didn't make decisions fast or rash decisions. He pondered on him. He went to the word. He prayed about things before he did things. Just his character, he really lived out the character of the Lord. He was not perfect. I will say that. He he was human. He was not perfect, but he strived to live a godly character and to portray the Father in our home. And he pointed us to Jesus by striving to be like him in in as humanly possibly he could and like i said he was not perfect but he really did point us to the word he would have his bible out at breakfast he would be talking to us about jesus in the car going to school any any little time he could fit in he was pointing us to the word and pointing us to jesus and i think just by him doing that gave me essentially, like I said, I want to just reiterate that I do not think my dad was perfect because none of us are perfect, right. but he gave me an image of the father in a sense, if that makes sense to you, just by his character and striving to be as close to the Lord as he could each day. 
And so I think just the way he led our family and the way he led the church body too. He was a pastor for 35 years, I believe it was, before he passed away. And so just in every leadership example I saw him in, he was not just pointing us back to the Lord, but the people around him. And he was a humble man. He never strived for a stage or for attention. Yes, he preached the word, but, you know, just just humble. I remember times where he would stop what he was doing to go to the hospital, giving up his time. There was somebody in the hospital that needed prayer, he would go. If somebody passed away, he would come back for what he was doing. We were on a trip one time and somebody passed away and he gave up that time. We came back early so he could do a funeral. And yeah, that was a little disappointing for us. But looking back on it now, I see the importance of of why he did that and being there for people in their times of need. And we can get to that part of the story in a little bit. But when people were there for us in our times of need, I'm so glad he had set that example in the church many years before. And so just always pointing people back to the Lord. You said something really good about just kind of, and you touched on this too, just about wisdom in general and just having the Bible with him. Because I think this is why I encourage people when they say, well, what do I read in the Bible? I don't know what to read. My advice to them is go to the book of Proverbs and read a proverb a day. Mm -hmm. The whole design of Proverbs is to give, it says to give the young person wisdom, but it is to give anyone wisdom if you need it. And sometimes, and you go back to James where where he talks about just getting, seeking wise counsel. But in in Proverbs too, I mean, there can be wisdom in just, I'm just going to take a step back and wait before I open my mouth and say anything. There's there's some, there's a lot to be said for that, especially when you get in pastoral ministry and leadership. Yes. Yes, there is. And I'm still learning that. I fail in that area, I'll be honest. But he was such a good example of taking that step back and not just saying the first thing that came to his mind, but waiting and, and pondering on his answer. And then he would come and answer people. And so I'm so glad I had that example in an earthly father. And it's something that I'm striving to do better at myself. So my head pastor helps me with that all the time. He's like, before you say this out of anger, just take 24 to 48 hours, but you may need five days. Just, yeah. But as long as you go back and deal with the situation, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I tell people this a lot that God used my grandmother's death to bring me to life. And mm-hmm. In her absence, her absence is what really drew me closer to to the Lord. And even in that time of of grieving, and that was kind of when I really, that's when I, I would say I gave my life to Christ in 2010, right? Probably a few months after she she passed away. But the, the relationship was still rocky because I had so much that I had to deal with at that time. So mm-hmm. is there anything in your father's absence that drew you closer to the Lord? Yes. So he, I'll go back and kind of share a little bit about what happens to my dad. So in March of 2019, he had a massive heart attack and it's a miracle. He survived the initial heart attack. It was, it was a really bad heart attack. We live in a rural community, so he had to be flown to the hospital in Amarillo. Amarillo is about an hour away from where we are. And so thankful the emergency room doctor here knew what was happening and got him on a helicopter as soon as he could to get over there. So he lived 
10 days after the initial heart attack, he even was sent to Dallas after Amarillo, Amarillo sent him to a hospital in Dallas. And the hospital in Dallas, and I'm not saying anything about the hospital in Dallas, they led us to believe he was in, he was in a heart failure, but that he could still live. And there are a lot of people who who do live with heart failure and make changes in their lifestyle and they are able to live and live a, live a life after a heart attack like my dad had. And so, but for some reason, the Lord decided to call my dad home the very next day after he got out of the hospital, but it was, it's, a, it's neat looking back on it. He came home. We were able to have a family dinner, all of us together. My sister was here me and my husband my boy was seven months old at the time and we all gathered in our home around the table and had just such a sweet time of fellowship not knowing that was going to be our last time together as family and god has really used that to make me realize that time is precious with our loved ones and we never know what the next 12 hours or the next hour even is going to bring but it was 12 hours after we had gathered. I mean, he had gone out to his backyard. He loved his backyard. That was like his space. He was redoing an old car. I don't even know what type of make and model it was. But he was he was redoing a car out there. And he had gone outside. He had been in his backyard again. He had come in. We had had a family dinner. Went to bed. And the next morning he got up and went to the bathroom and that was it. That was, that was the last moment. And so he, he fell dead in the bathroom here. And so anyways, you just never know when that time that God is going to call you home or a loved one home. And so just making the most of our time that God has given us here on this earth. And another thing is that God has drawn me closer to him about, so he died, my dad died March 20th. 2019. And about two years after his death, my dad was the person that I would talk to about the Bible. We would have conversations. What do you think this passage means? That's a little bit harder. He was the person that I always went to for those types of questions. And I was really upset because I was like, there's things I still hadn't asked him about what he thought. And he had such wisdom of the word, like you talked about, and he had immersed himself in the word and grown just drawn close to the Lord. And, and there was things that I still hadn't talked to him about yet. And I was really frustrated. I was like, Lord, he was the wisest person I knew. And like, why did you take him from me at 29 years old when my son was only seven months old? And why, why did you take him from me? And it's like the Lord impacted me in that moment. He was like, I, I'm the one that created your dad. I created him in my image. I gave him that wisdom. So you can in turn come to me and get the same questions answered that you would ask your dad because I'm the one that gave him that wisdom. And it was really kind of seeing in that moment that the Lord does bring his wisdom. The word talks to draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And so I had to really realize, yes, my dad was that awesome person for me on this earth but it was the lord that created him he met him together and so i can go to the lord with questions and he'll, he'll be my counselor that's what it says in isaiah that he's a, he's a wonderful counselor 
mighty God, everlasting Father. And so it was in that moment that the Lord really came to me and said, yes, you've had your dad, but you have me for eternity. And so I can come to me. And so anyway, that was that was a convicting moment for myself, but also how the Lord was drawing me back closer to him through that time of grief. So. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is an incredible perspective that we are made in his, in his image and the gifts that we have and the things that we have, it all came from him. Yes, it does. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you are ministering to me right now. So. <laughs> well, you've been ministering to me this whole time. And even before we started this podcast. I no. glory, to, glory to God for that. Cause I know yeah. I believe yeah. it was not always this way. <laughs> <laughs> well, same for me. You have such a, a, a godly perspective on grief. I thank you for, for sharing this. And I, I just want to dive into a little bit deeper with that to whatever degree you feel comfortable sharing. So if there's anything else you want to share about a season of grief or it be the season of grief in your life or grief in general, I'm just going to give you the, the floor to, to talk about that to whatever degree you feel comfortable. Yes. So another thing through my season of grief that I have walked through, the Lord press this on my heart. I think we kind of like compartmentalize grief in our society. Like, little that grief isn't as big as her grief or she lost her dad, but she lost her husband. That's, I think we kind of compartmentalize grief, but the Lord told me that he cares about all of our grief. And I just want anyone who's listening out there to know, even if you lost your best friend or if you lost your husband or if you've lost a child, I had a miscarriage, things like that. The Lord cares deeply about your grief. And that's just what I want people to know. No matter, you may think your grief is not as big as somebody else's and why maybe questioning why you feel so hurt over a loss that isn't in society's mind as big as somebody else's loss. But Jesus doesn't look at grief that way. He cares about your grief and he cares about my grief. And a passage that I came to realize this is in John eleven thirty-three, when Lazarus had died and Mary came running to him and she was weeping after Lazarus had died. It says in John eleven thirty-three that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit seeing her weeping at his feet and seeing not just her she was weeping but the others in the town the other jews around her were also weeping and so he was deeply moved in his spirit by this grief that was around him and so he cares about our grief also first peter 5 7 says casting all your anxieties on him for he cares for you and Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so he cares, no matter if it's a friend, if it's somebody in your church that you were close to that passed away, that died, if it was a family member, if it was your husband, if it was your child, if it's your father, he cares about your grief and your grief is important to him. And so that's what I want people to know that their grief is important to the Lord and we can come to his feet with our grief. I think we as a society, we do that. It's like we we rank sin. Mm-hmm. And yes. yes, different sins have different consequences. I'm not even I'm not saying that, but I also think that 
sometimes you hear, oh, someone's mother passed away versus someone's cousin. I'm like, I know, yeah. I know cousins who are like brothers and sisters. Yeah. I know, I know, I know grandmothers who are the cornerstone of, of the family. So yes. I, I think you nailed it is that we have to, we can't rank someone's pain and we can't put a, we can't put a, a number or a, or, or a severity level on someone's, on someone's loss because we don't fully know what their experience was going on in their heart. Exactly. Yes. And I think we need to be there for people and then we can get to that in a second, but be there for people who are experiencing grief and, and just understand that, like you just said, we don't know what's going on in somebody's heart and we don't know. And, and grief can take, it's so weird how grief works, just how it comes in waves. Any little thing can spark it or ignite it back up in your heart. And I think just being mindful of that for people who have, have walked through grief and just being willing to be there for them. Yes, right at the time somebody passes away, but also three years down the road, four years down the road too, because grief can come and go and, and just being mindful about that, like I said, so... Now, I know that we are the church, right? We take Jesus everywhere we go. But whether we're talking about the individuals taking the church wherever we go, we're talking about being in a building on Sundays. What advice would you give to the church or church members as they're helping other members while they're going through grieving or trying to support other members as they go through grief? Yes. So I'm going to read some scripture here. Please do. Out of Romans, Romans 12, 15 says to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And he's talking to the saints here, Paul is. And I think it just, Corinthians talks about us being a body. And when one part of the body is suffering, we're all suffering. And so I think just being there for people, yes, in their initial time of grief, but like I said a few moments ago, also down the road and striving to be that acts to church where they're inviting people into their home. And maybe if somebody in your church has been through a season of grief, take them a meal so that doesn't have to be a burden on them. Even if it's a few years down the road, just be like, I want to bless you. I want to just want you to know that I'm thinking about you. Be there for those, for widows, especially if they're by themselves. Check in on them. If people have lost, like in my sense of father, comfort them. And I just see that in the Acts 2 church where they made it a practice to bring people into their homes and to let them know we're together in this, in this world. We're going to stick together. And we're gonna we're gonna break bread together. We're gonna go to the temple together. That's what they did. They were they were together. They lived life together in community. And I think person who's grieving, just knowing they have that support and that community behind them goes a long way. And like I said, not just initially right after the tragedy has happened, but two, three, four years down the road, just also knowing that there's still people who are praying for them and and that care about them. And so I think that is a big step that the church can take is following those words of Paul to rejoice with those who rejoice, but also weep with those who weep. It's, I think that sometimes we can maybe forget that, yeah, they lost this individual and yeah, it was a year ago, let's just say, whatever it is. Yeah. But their birthday is coming up. The The holiday season mm -hmm. is coming up. They may have taken a family vacation in, January to go to Hawaii. I don't know. 
there's there's memories and moments that are going to be coming up throughout that calendar year that can remind yeah. them of that person and mm -hmm. they may need that support system you may not know when yeah yes but i think just following the spirit's lead if if the spirit's putting that person on your mind that has been through grief call them on the phone that day send them a text message do something just reach out to let them know because it could be one of those days that you just explained like that something had the memory had sparked something about that day and it could be a really hard day for that person or if you like a family member's birthday is coming up like you said just reach out to them in some way let them know that you're praying i think people are they don't they don't know how to reach out or they don't want to reach out and upset the person even more but i'm telling you firsthand the people that are still reaching out to me. March is a really hard month. Like I said, my dad passed away in March and March is when my baby would have been born that I miscarried the baby. So March had, it's, it's just a hard month, March is. And so somebody sent me a package in the mail this past March. And so that just was, it just really put a smile on my face and encouraged me. Just little things like that, that you can do, just even a phone call and a text message, I promise. It will go so a long way in that person's heart and mind. And so just reaching out to people is huge. I'm going to backpedal a little bit because is there anything additional that you would like to say to a person who is experiencing that grief who may have taken that loss? Is there any other advice you'd like to give to them? I know you, you spoke to God obviously cares about their grief no matter what it is. Is there anything else you'd say to that person? Just... Just know that it is okay to grieve. I think sometimes it's hard in the moment. It's in the moment after the tragedy has happened or the death has happened. So many things can be happening. You're planning a funeral. You're having to take care of things. Maybe you're taking care of family. There's just so much going on or families coming in and you don't initially grieve, maybe. And so just taking that time to grieve is important. And to also know it may be hard to come up with the words to pray during that time. But Romans also talks about that we can come. I think it's Romans, it's Romans chapter 8. Let me see here. Sorry. I just want to say it. This is your episode. Right. Take your time. Take your time. Romans 8, 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit help, helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with our groanings too deep for words. That has been such a comforting verse for me in, in the season because sometimes I can't even get a word out. It's just tears or anger, feelings of anger. And God can handle all of that. Just saying we shouldn't stay in that state, but God can handle it when we when we do need to have those feelings. And so, but that he will go before us with groanings before the spirit and when we don't have the words. And so that's always been a comforting verse. And just know that the Lord is interceding for you and he is there. He, the spirit is walking with you and he wants you to come before him, even in those hard, hard moments. So you had two, you had two tragic situations happen fairly, fairly close to each other. As yeah. far as that. How did you stay Christ-centered during that time? It is easy in a time of grief to just become like a hermit in your home and stay in your home. But the way that I stayed Christ-centered is I kept, I I don't know what I would have done without my church, how I would have made it through that 
both of those seasons without my church. But just continuing to stay plugged into church was huge. Continuing to go to my small group Bible study. That's what that's where deep life can happen is in your small group. And those women praying over me and praying for me and walking through that both of those times with me. So staying plugged into church, staying plugged into my Bible study, and also having accountability is big, I think, too. I meet with a, a a girl, one girl, another girl every Thursday morning. I met with her this morning. Every Thursday we meet together. And she just having that that person that you know is going to, you can trust and you can trust to have them give you godly counsel back. And I'm so thankful the Lord has brought her into my life and that we have continued to meet so, so many years together. But just having that accountability of people that are coming alongside of you and encouraging you to stay in your word and stay in your Bible study and walking with you through the hard, hard days of life. I think it's so important to have people surrounding us. So staying plugged into church, staying plugged into my Bible study and having an accountability partner to keep me accountable in Bible study and prayer and things like that. That's what kept me Christ-centered. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is, that is, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I, I think that accountability has become this thing that, that people say, but they don't always want it. And mm-hmm. it has to go both ways. The person yes. who need, the person who needs to be, is looking for the accountability. They need to be open and transparent and willing to receive. So there's, mm-hmm. but that other person who's, who's holding them accountable also has to be there as well. Like both parties yes. have a role to play. Yeah. yeah. So it, even if it means we're meeting in person or meeting on Zoom or we're talking on the phone, let's keep this going. This has to be yeah. a consistent thing. This isn't just, oh, we didn't meet this month. Yeah. A no, lot can does. happen in 30 days. <laughs> yes, it can. It does have to stay consistent. And even during COVID, we met on Zoom. So yeah. all of that happened. We still had church on Zoom. We had Bible study on Zoom. And I still met with my friend on Zoom. So anyways, it's, it's, it's a choice. And I think... Those, but those are the three things that helped me stay Christ-centered. Yeah. So how is your relationship with God and then your relationship with your earthly father, how does that impact the relationship with your son now? Okay. So my relationship with God, I'll say it's, it's growing. It's, I think it's always going to be growing. Yes. And just growing closer to him as I continue studying his word and through prayer, just constantly striving to grow closer to him and after my dad passed away that everlasting father really became true in my mind like a reality I don't have that earthly father anymore but I have my everlasting father that my earthly father pointed me to and so just considering him as my father and talking to him like I would talk to my dad coming to him for questions but getting that counsel, as Isaiah says, he's our wonderful counselor. And and in, in relation, like you said, to my son, I hope and pray that I can do what my dad did for us and point my son back to Jesus through the words that I say and teach him that he is the everlasting father, that he's never going to fade away. He's never going to fail. He's, he is never going to die. We're, we're never going to lose our father he is there for eternity and just just showing him the importance of having a relationship with him 
And that, what we just talked about with the accountability, we have to make the choice to have the relationship with Jesus. His, he's given us his word. He has given us the spirit. He's given us everything that we need to grow and cultivate that relationship. We just have to make the choice to do it every day. And I'm not going to say that I'm perfect. There are days that I've not read my Bible. and right. But but we have to make that decision to grow closer to him. And, and just through this whole experience, it's just made me aware of time. And my son is growing so fast. I cannot believe he's already four years old. It just seems like yesterday he was born. And just how time goes so fast and time is precious. And we don't know what tomorrow holds. And so just striving to show my son what a relationship with Jesus looks like, because that is my prayer every day is that he would come into a relationship with the Lord one day. And so modeling that before him, it's so easy at home. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have a part-time job that I do from home, but the majority of my time is stay-at-home and it's easy to just go about our day and start doing stuff around the house. But here lately, I've been convicted, like showing Lucas what is important, no matter what else is going on, no matter if things are crazy around the house, just taking that step back and to show him that it is important to have a, to start your relationship with the Lord every day. And so I hope that answers the question. No, it, it really did because it leads me into... I can't remember we said this on the podcast. Now we said it before we, we started. But just last night, I was mapping out some of my goals for, for 2023 yeah. for this podcast. But then I started writing stuff out. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, how am I going to stay filled up? So I'm looking at what I'm trying to do to pour out. And I'm like, okay, yes. we're going to need to increase this input even more. So I can be making sure that I'm constantly ministering out of my overflow. So I don't just fall apart by like April. <laughs> I know. And that is so, it's so easy. Like when you're in ministry, you're a pastor, my husband's a pastor, we're in church ministry. It's so easy to pour out and pour out and pour out. And you have to have that time to fill back up. And when I talked about earlier, just staying plugged in, making sure that you're in an accountability group or a small group of your own, that's important to both my husband and I is he has a small group, a men's small group that he goes to and he does not teach it. <laughs> so, and it's important that we're in some sort of group throughout the week or the month that we're not the ones teaching at that moment that we're being poured into at that time. And so I think that is necessary. And it's hard in church ministry because sometimes you do have to fill in gaps when there's not somebody. But I think it's necessary for everybody to be poured into and to have a time where they're being poured into. So the one thing I'm really grateful for is that I have the keys to our building. Yes. And our worship team practices on on Tuesday nights. Yes. And sometimes I will just go there and I will yes. sit down. Hey, yes. And awesome. my head my head pastor was like, I walk in on a Tuesday. He's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> He's like, why are you here right now? He's like, what's okay. going on? I'm like, yeah. honestly, I, for me personally, I enjoy being around things of God. So if there's a move of God, I want to be there. If there's a, if there's a sermon priest, like I want to be there. Like I don't speak Spanish, but I've attended churches, Spanish services. Cause my spirit's going to understand what they're saying anyway. Yes. So sometimes I just, I go there on Tuesday and I will just sit down just so I can 
get ministered to. And then our young adult group, I've aged out of our young adult group. I go there more as a, I'm, I'm lucky they still let me pop in there. Um, but so I go there just to sit down alone. Just, it's nice to be ministered to. So having that routine to feed yourself is so different because I say this a lot, studying to teach or preach is not the same thing as studying to fill up. No, it's not. I'm still gaining something from it. I'm still getting fed from it, but I'm, I'm me personally, I'm studying this very differently if I have to teach it to people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you're exactly right on that. Yes. Oh, cause I know you said you're involved in ministry a lot. So how do you avoid that, that burnout? How is that? Would you say besides the accountability piece, like how, how do you avoid that burnout? I think, like I said, just being in my small group, being poured into, and then also having my own time, like you're saying, where I'm not reading the Bible for studying for us, like a class that I'm teaching or that I'm just sitting at his feet and asking him to pour into me. And, and I think that is important. It, like we've both talked about here just in the last few seconds, but just having our own Bible study and having a plan. And so this year I ordered, it's a chronological Bible study, but it's actually like a physical book and it has questions about each day that you're reading. And so I've tried to just do the free printout before, but I would get behind or whatever. And so this year I'm going to do, it's, it's a book. And so it, like I said, it has questions for each day that you're reading and it goes through the Bible chronologically. So I am, I'm doing that. So I already have a plan in place for that this year and just continuing on. My small group is really important to me. I've mentioned that several times. So continuing on with my small group and that is, and we talked about this before we started recording, but my church meets on, we have a prayer time on Saturday night. And that is another instance where we're not leading. We just come together to pray. And so it's important we go as a family. I bring my four-year-old to it. And so we, we pray separately and we pray together. And so I think just spending time in prayer with the Lord and having that accountability and having somebody pouring into me where I'm not just always pouring out and having on a plan what I'm reading through and so through the word so so I it is and you we touched on this but it is like I said it's a huge difference where you're pouring in versus pouring to have to go lead something like it is yes so it's important to have that plan in place for how you plan on staying connected to the vine yeah. it doesn't even matter what your and it's not just for leaders so this is for just any yeah. believer like you you need to know God's voice you need mm -hmm. to be able to hear it for yourself yeah you need so, that, that daily bread just as you get ready to go on your day-to-day -day, no matter what your role is in the in the kingdom so there's so many voices out there these days and so to know what god's word truly says and um, something that i was thinking about the other night is maybe in 2023 we follow the word of God and not just what everybody's saying online about the word of God. We have to go to the direct source. Yes, it's great. Podcasts like these are amazing. We need we need insight from other brothers and sisters in Christ, but we can't make that our primary source. We have to go directly to the word, our own self, and test the voices that we are hearing 
outside of the word. And so to make sure they're accurate. And so I think that is, like you said, knowing the voice of God is extremely important. It's wow. I last night I did Patricia Ortega's podcast, the, the uncommon career. And I was talking about knowing the voice of God for yourself, because I said, I think leaders do people a disservice if we don't teach people how to hear the voice of God for themselves. They may be coming to me for discipleship, but I need to teach them how to hear God's voice themselves. So I always point people back to the cross, the resurrection and the word. Mm-hmm. And yes. And if people tell you, well, I don't know how to hear the voice of God from my life, start reading his words so you know what God has already said. Mm-hmm. So you can get an idea of what his love, his character and his values look like and sound like mm-hmm. for what we already have. We have the entire Bible and to your Maybe. point that you made, how often do we open it? How often are we spending time in that? God's voice is literally in our hand already, or it's in our pocket. We have it on our phone. However you decide mm-hmm. to read. If you want to know the voice of the king, spend time in the kingdom. Spend time yes. doing kingdom things. Yes. Go to church, pray, have an accountability partner, join a connect group, go to the corporate prayer, but read the word for yourself. Because yes. I tell people, if if I get a word for you and I share something with you, go test that back with yes. the scripture. What happens if I go crazy and I tell you, you need to go check that. Like, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that's so good. My pastor also says and encourages us to go back to scripture for your own self. And so this really, you're in a good church when your pastor is encouraging you to be that. So you mm-hmm. Shepherding a flock does not mean they are dependent on me. Exactly. Yes. Shepherding the flock means I have to shepherd them to the in the right area and direction and follow me as I follow Christ. So yeah. mm-hmm. I'm gonna stop. I'll be on here. We'll be on here all day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. So <laughs> I ask every guest these couple of questions. So I'm really curious what your what your answer is to this. So okay. if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Just to make disciples. I just love that great commission that Jesus left his disciples, go and make disciples. And that is just what I really feel like God has called me in my life to do, especially with women, is to make disciples. And I strive with my online presence, with my presence in our community. I strive to just be a disciple maker. And so I hope that's what I'm remembered as, is somebody who pointed people to the word and taught them how to read the word and study the word and just so they can go out and teach other people. And so just a disciple maker. Amen. Amen. Rachel, thank you so much for everything that you, you have shared today. I really, I, your courage, your strength, just your yes, the Lord is in inspiration and it's encouraging. And I know it's going to bless some people who who are listening because this is actually the first time we've really touched this topic on the podcast. So I really appreciate you coming on and just sharing your testimony, your life story. Well, I know that God allows us to walk through seasons of life so we can in turn help somebody else who will be going through that season in their own life. And so I, I want to share and tell other people how the Lord has worked in my life through this experience. So Thank, Thank you. you for giving me the opportunity. You have an open floor to come back on here anytime you would like. And it's just not other than later today. Other than that, any, after, yeah. that, after that, we're good to go. Just not later today. <laughs> I have to go. I have my accountability meeting in about an hour. So 
So I so other than that, you have an open floor to come back. So let's just say starting tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> that brings us to the final segment of the show. This is our let them know segment. This is just an area of the podcast so you can share whatever you like, anything additional, whether it be a word of God or prayer, whatever you would like, Rachel, please let them know. Yes. Well, the one thing I want to let everybody know is in Christ, death is not final. And praise the Lord for that. We are going to see our people again one day. We are going to meet the babies that we've lost one day. In Revelation 21, I'm going to read Revelation 21, 3 through 5. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I love that. Oh, gives me so much excitement. Like, these words are trustworthy and true. We can trust that God is going to bring us into a dwelling place with him where there's going to be no more pain, no more crying, no more death. All the tears are going to be wiped away and we're going to get to worship him for eternity. And so that's the hope we have. Yes, we grieve, but we get to grieve with this amazing hope of these words that it says they're trustworthy and true. We can trust them. And so this isn't the final thing. Death isn't final here on this earth if we have a relationship with Jesus. So that's what I want to let him know. Amen. That was so good. That was so good. I have one more request of you before we end the episode. Would you mind praying us out before we before we close out today? Don't mind at all. Thank, thank you. you for letting me. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for this ministry, God, and for Eric, Pastor Eric, and all that he is doing through this Reading Christ podcast, Lord. And God, I just pray for his church and his community and for the church and that revival would sweep through the church, the Lord. And God, I just thank you so much for Jesus and what you sent him to do, Lord, and that he didn't stay dead. He rose again, God, and that we have this hope for the future that we will be with you, Lord, for eternity and that death will be no more and that we can trust that promise, Lord. And God, I just pray for this ministry again, that you would bless it, Lord, and that it would be fruitful and that you would multiply it, Lord, into something that's amazing, God. And I just thank you for the faithfulness of Eric. And I just pray, Lord, that that you would continue to just fill his heart, Lord, and to bring the right people to this ministry, Lord, and that you would guide and direct him in 2023 and the years beyond, Lord. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. And Lord, I just want to lift up Rachel to you now. Father, I just thank you for everything you're doing in her and through her. I thank you for her yes. I thank you for just her strength and her courage to just share her her testimony and everything that she shared with our audience today, Father. But I just pray, pray blessings over her marriage, over her church, over her entire family, Lord. Lord, I just, can, I just thank you for the outpouring that's about to come over their lives in Jesus' name, Father. I thank you for the healing that you've brought. I thank you for just the people that they are are touching through through their marriage to their church lord and i just lift up the the women whose lives she's impacting lord and i thank you for the testimonies that are going to come out of 
all of their, out of everything that they're doing, Lord. I speak forth that she's more than a conqueror, that she can do all things through Christ who strengthens her, that he who is in her is greater than he who is in the world. So I just thank you right now for, for, every, for every work that you're doing. And I just pray if they're traveling out today, I pray your traveling mercies over them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being on. Like I said, let me know if you'd like to come back because we would love to have you back. So, thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right.